Hi, this is CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal. And we are live at Brick Pau Brick uh, community space uh, here in Park Extension in the city. This is a live broadcast standing up for a place to stay. Movements confronting the housing crisis and false solutions. Um, this broadcast is an attempt to look at a bunch of issues surrounding the housing crisis. We're very lucky to be joined by uh, an amazing panel of live guests to speak about their respective community work to address the housing crisis, not just here in Montreal, Giogiage, but beyond. I'm Stefan Christophe, and this is Free City Radio. We broadcast every Wednesday on CKUT, People Powered Radio, here in Montreal at 90.3 FM. And so I want to thank, first of all, Brick Pabrik for hosting us. It's a live uh, uh, transmission. And uh, also to our panelists. Um, I will um, maybe first start to um, introduce each panelist um, and uh, we'll go that way. Um, and you'll hear about their respective work. So I'd just ask each panelist to briefly introduce th themselves. And we'll start just here um, beside me, uh, Hubert Jérôme Blais, uh, who's an artist and has been involved in uh, housing, organizing at a community-based level for a bunch of years in different capacities. So maybe just briefly introduce yourself and also the recent project that you've been working on. Yeah, hi, thank you. Um, so I'm Hubert Gendromblet. Uh, I'm part of the uh, collective Reverberation d'une crise, une enquête sonore sur le logement à Montréal. Reverberation d'une crise is a sound inquiry project made on the housing crisis in Diodiogue, uh, Montreal, made by a collective of tenants. Our goal was to make the housing crisis heard and more specifically some, let's say, existential, philosophical, maybe more personal also point of views. Thank you so much. And we'll hear a bit more about this um, initiative, uh, cultural initiative. Uh, after Hubel is Gaurav Sharma, who is a community organizer at the Immigrant Workers Center. Uh, you work a lot here in Park Extension. So yes. uh, please just introduce yourself and your work. Yes, my name is Gaurav Sharma. I'm working with the IWC Immigrant Workers Center located at Van Horne. Uh, my organizations focus on uh, labor rights, uh, worker rights, and also participating in a lot of uh, uh, housing uh, revolutions and also uh, working with the Parkax communities peoples. So Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshis, so such thing. So we focus on these issues uh, day by day. Respect. Yeah. And Amy Darwish is next, uh, who works with uh, Committee d'Action de Parc Extension, CAPE. Amy is also involved in many other uh, community projects, has been a longtime organizer at Solidarity Cross Borders and many other initiatives. And you work also here in Park Extension. Um, but today it, you're uh, focused on your work around housing. So maybe you could briefly introduce yourself. Uh, yes. Hi, everyone. Um, so I organize with the Comité d'Action de Parc Extension. We're a group uh, that supports uh, Parc Extension tenants um, in fighting, uh, in defending their housing rights um, through assemblies, rallies, creative actions and demonstrations. Uh, we try, we fight evictions, uh, gentrification and displacement. Um, we also 
believe um, that housing should, is an essential need and not a commodity. Um, and we believe in particular in social and community housing as an as an important alternative uh, to the private market. Um, we also believe that it's impossible for Park X tenants to defend themselves, to defend their housing rights um, if they don't have status. So we also support the struggle uh, for regularization for all non-status migrants. Thank you so much, Amy. Uh, and for those listening, you can hear there's a lot of awesome people here. So keep it locked on 90.3 FM. And also shout out to a few people who joined us. There's a live audience here. Um, and that's super cool that people have showed up to listen in person. Um, Drew Oja Jay uh, is a community activist and particularly has been working to create alternative media uh, projects in the last few years. So maybe you could introduce uh, the media projects that you're involved in. And also, I know that you've been working to address and cover the housing crisis through these um, media initiatives. Sure. Yeah. Um, my name is Drew. I'm the I'm not a housing activist, I, I should say, but I am um, the publisher of The Breach and uh, executive director of CUTV uh, Community uh, TV here in Montreal. Um, and I'd say just like one of the key challenges I think we have as independent media is is figuring out how to effectively counter um, how the sort of conservative rage farming machine, uh, the fine-tuned social media um, yeah, like machine that they've created um, has has really seized the initiative on the discontent with the housing situation and how the political right has has presented itself uh, not inaccurately. Um, I'm sorry, inaccurately, uh, as the as the sort of alternative to the status quo when it comes to housing. Um, so so yeah, we're 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 really preoccupied, I think, with with that angle and and really the sort of public education aspect of of this struggle. Thank you so much, Drew. Uh, Faiz, we're here at Brick Public. Um, you're the director uh, here. Um, so maybe, yeah, introduce yourself and also just describe where we are for people who are listening, maybe who haven't been to Brick Public. Uh, mm -hmm. It's an amazing project. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for having me. And uh, I'm so happy to be hosting you all. And it's tough. Thanks to be... for having us. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's tough to be following everyone because uh, they've been doing a lot of hard work for a long time. Uh, so I'm not sure how um, how I can uh, contribute to this conversation, but I'm going to do my best. What we're doing here. Uh, well, we're at the Brick uh, Brick Community Center, and it's a great example of the kind of work we're trying to do. Uh, basically, we're trying to build uh, social purpose real estate, uh, especially social housing, something that been, we've been working on since 2016. And we've sort of like had to face a lot of the challenges that, um, that uh, this implies. And the biggest challenge that we've had to face is financing. And so we're looking to like find solutions to that problem. Uh, the way that we were able to purchase this uh, duplex and uh, uh, transform it from a commercial uh, ice cream factory into a community center was to issue community bonds. Uh, so we encourage people in our in our community that wanted to stand in solidarity with people who had uh, uh, who, who were struggling with uh, social injustice to invest in our project. Uh, so we're looking to do a similar thing with uh, with other housing projects. We have a housing project uh, in collaboration in partnership with the government uh, that we're building. It's actually, we just learned yesterday that the construction is going to start in the spring. So that's really exciting. 
Excellent. So we're, yeah, we're just we're working with everyone trying to fill the gap, you know, because I think everyone's doing hard work, but uh, we just want to be useful and and uh, do whatever it is that we can to uh, make things happen. Yeah. Thank you, Faiz, uh, and also just for people who are listening wherever you are in the city um, or outside of Montreal, Geogiage, we're in relatively you know we're in the city uh and we're in this community center um that has as, as Faiz has mentioned uh, a commercial space has been transformed into a community space and i think it's so important physical spaces where we can gather so thanks again for hosting us uh nathan um you have been organizing for a number of years in milton park which has an important history of building housing alternatives uh, I'd like to get into that, um, but just briefly, could you uh, introduce yourself and uh, speak about the organization that you work with? Sure. And, and also, just first thing to say is also, uh, I, I have a bit of a stutter, so sometimes I get a bit stuck on my words, but more than welcome to complete my sentences if you know what I'm thinking telepathically. Um, so yeah, so the so I, I, I'm a community activist with the Milton Park um, um citizens committee mm -hmm. and um and they've they, they've been around um f f in the neighborhood of mm -hmm. milton park and um yeah we, we can t talk more later on about the community housing project mm -hmm. that they helped create um and yeah and our work i guess crosses over a lot of different areas and i guess it's all about mobilizing people in the neighborhood to take action and concretely transform our neighborhood, whether it's through housing, whether it's through um, ecology, food security, um, in also organizing in solidarity with the unhoused community um, and, and also also going beyond housing to build a, a, a democratic um, economy. Well, that's a lot. And I, I, I would just like want to shout out everybody here for addressing all the work that you're doing, which is actually quite different, but connected. Um, I think that often in major media coverage of the housing crisis, we end up talking about, you know, maybe a particular law or a proposed bill. Like right now, there's a lot of discussion around Bill 31. But underneath Bill 31, there's so many systemic issues, but also ongoing long-term organizing work that a lot of you are involved in or are trying to cover uh, as independent media. Um, so I think maybe we could just start there because it is a particular moment where there's a focus on a particular proposed legislation in Quebec that will attack uh, the rights of tenants to transfer their leases. Uh, it's sort of a, a, a mechanism of solidarity between tenants that will affect a lot of people. But often the way this bill is covered as it's almost as if it's in isolation. Um, but of course, it's part of a broader, quote unquote, housing bill, which really is about attacking the right to housing in a lot of ways on the part of the CAC government here in Quebec. Um, so my first question to all of you is if you could maybe reflect on the importance of the struggle against Bill 31, but looking at it in that broader context, because, you know, Bill 31 doesn't happen in isolation of municipal policy or federal policy or in is isolation of the daily community work that a lot of you are involved in. Um, so 
maybe um, would somebody like to jump in? Faiz? I mean, I, 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 I don't know. Like, I feel like there's absolutely, <laughs> I feel like it's tough. Uh, this bill is definitely mm -hmm. going to have, if it's passed, mm -hmm. a very, very adverse impact on uh, the lives of uh, tenants, mm -hmm. on their communities, and on our city, and what makes our city so special. I think we all can speak to uh, like some of the impacts we, uh, we're, 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 we're afraid that this bill will have. But I think what I mean, I think what I'd like to hear is like, what are we doing to organize, right? What are we doing to, to get around this? What are we doing to fight this uh, bill? Um, and yeah, I don't know. What, what are folks doing? <laughs> well, a lot. And, and, and that's, it's so great to be at a space where we can t discuss those um, points of mobilization here at Brick Public. Um, so I'll just open it up again. Would anybody like to address this point? Uh, yeah. yeah, maybe I, I think that, yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, you're, of course, you're right, uh, Faiz. Uh, and I, I'm really glad that you mentioned this, like one of the uh, most terrible aspect of the housing crisis. In fact, of course, the impacts on the individual lives is, 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 is big, but it's also like changing like the collective experience of the city, like the, the spaces that we share, the ambiences, the, the how we could just like live without being like so, so stressed and like surrounded by like condos and like expensive uh, shops and, and all that. And that's one of the things that emerged really from our process of research through sound. Often uh, we, we, we focus on like the individual dimension, but like Montreal is changing and not for the best. Well, in many ways. In terms of organizing, there's a new initiative, well, relatively new initiative called uh, the FLIP, which is the Front d'Immobilier, uh, Front de Libération pour un Immobilier Populaire. I'm not sure there's an official like English translation. The meaning is pretty clear. They're actually uh, launching a campaign and the strategy right now is to do a demonstration every Thursday, uh, starting at Berry-Ucam uh, Metro Square, Emilie Gamelin, at 6 p.m. So this is one thing. They're also having like different angles of, of struggle, like documenting uh, what like, like the, the bad actions, put it, put it quickly, of, of landlords and other aspects. But it's really a grassroots and community organizing. And uh, yeah, we have to, to spread the word. This, this struggle, of course, has potentially to be like one of the main struggle in, in, in Montreal uh, for the times to come. And there's also been other um, policies that have attacked housing rights under the CAC government, Coalition Avenir de Quebec. There is the total cut of logis, which is an important um, uh, policy change that affected a lot of potential um, social housing projects. Um, but I know that you, Amy, deal with these things often here in, in Park Extension, like on a daily level, but also in terms of thinking about uh, how to build, you know, as Faiz was talking about, what are people or how are people organizing? Uh, absolutely. So, I mean, I guess one thing I would say is that, like, while there's definitely things about Bill 31 um, that are, you know, that are definitely, like, deeply terrifying and a very, like, clear attack on tenant rights, it isn't, it's part of a much bigger process, right? Like, um, Bill 31 is very much, 
um, sort of rooted in um, a bigger approach, but not just by the CAC, but by pretty much every single ruling political party on all level of government um, to sort of to cater uh, to the interests of real estate developers and the private sector um, at the expense of tenants. Um, you mentioned the cut of the cutback of Axelogy. That's obviously one very clear manifestation of it and one that has serious impacts here in Park X. Um, mm-hmm. It threatens a lot of um, some a lot of the victories we've been able to win through like tenant mobilization in the last few years in the sense that there have been sites that tenants have won and that are now sitting empty because the funding no longer exists to develop them. Um, another part of Bill 31 that people don't really talk mm-hmm. about, um, but are, is every bit as worrisome, is that they've gone and replaced, you know, wording around um, giving money for social housing to housing more generally. Mm-hmm. And they're calling for um, HLMs that are sitting empty, that they can be sold um, and replaced with so-called affordable housing, which isn't affordable to most people. Um, this again isn't new, but there's a very clear effort here to sort of try to profit off the housing crisis um, and use it as a means uh, to fund private interests. Um, if there's anything that has maybe been useful about Bill 31, um, is I think like it's very clearly hit a nerve for a lot of people. Both Faiz and Ubel talked about it in the sense of it, it risks changing the face of Montreal as we know it. And I think it resonates with people and has sparked a lot of mobilization. I think it very, cl- it, it, show, it kind of very clearly like shows the CAC for who they are um, and highlights their like their contempt um, for working class tenants. Um, and I do think it's very important uh, to continue um, to push the mobilization forward and, you know, not and fight not only for Bill 31 to be repealed, but also for broader goals such as, you know, a rent freeze, such as the decommodification of housing and, the you know, yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to draw out one uh, very important uh, point you mentioned, Amy, which was uh, tangible organizing victories here in Park X. And I just think that there there will be people listening who maybe haven't heard about those. Could you just maybe highlight one example of that sort of long-term community organizing that you've been involved in here through CAPE? Sure. So, and maybe a very clear example would maybe be the recent um, the victory around 700 Jari West. It's a for, it's a former garage station. It's a like a garage located in the north of the neighborhood um, that a cooperative that was led by and for like tenants of the neighborhood had been fighting for for 10 years. Um, it was sold to a private developer um, in 2020 who wanted to then turn around and build luxury apartments on the site. Um, Park X tenants kind of mobilized mm-hmm. around it, mm-hmm. actually succeeded in blocking the luxury apartment development project, which is the first time that's happened in the neighborhood to date, um, but kept the struggle struggle going until the city actually ended up acquiring that site. Um, we're continuing to fight to make sure that it ends up being like a project that's led by you know by the neighborhood um, that is social and community housing. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for highlighting that. The sort of um, daily support work that happens in a community group like Cape. There's also casework people facing eviction. And I wanted to turn to you, Gaurav, because I know that that's also related to a lot of the work you do at the Immigrant Workers Center. And, you know, being familiar with the organization, um, I'm I'm actually on the board, so I'm following and supporting as much as I can. And I know that you're dealing with a lot of the daily 
pressures that new immigrants, refugee claimants, non-status people in Park Extension, but also beyond face. So could, could you maybe talk about the housing crisis as it relates to your work? Yes. Uh, my English is not good, but I'm trying to, uh, what I'm observing in the parks, not in the Park X, Laval, La Salle's, there's a lot of people who are residing over there. Thank you. Uh, yes. So uh, the people who's migrated or in Canada are who either they're refusee, non-status, status, are facing a lot of problem. This is facing a two problem: migration and as well as for the housing problems. Okay. Yeah, I observe that there's a, every day I receive a call or in person complaint that my rent is without my permission has increased mm-hmm. and you know the people who are living here are mostly are working in the warehouses and they have a good they have a family so they said um they increasing a 1500 1700 so i'm earning at um supposedly two thousand dollars so it's a beyond my capacity so uh, I, warehouse work is very low paid yeah and low we're talking paid. about like companies like amazon or dollarama yes yes yeah, the, but mostly people are working with amazon dollarama good foods mm-hmm. or um, other uh, warehouses so they said where we can live mm-hmm. so they cannot due to increasing of the rents they cannot feed their f- uh, family properly they are under depressions they have a, they say any time tenants, uh, landlord says, go out from here if you're not paying. And they don't know law, law, rule and regulations because mostly people are uh, illiterate. They don't know about language barrier. There's a lot of things. So every day uh, I've, I receive a complaint against the landlord. So this is, they're threatening us. If we, we not pay the rent, higher rent, they will throw out from the houses. So such kind of things regularly um, surrounding the, in the park, mostly Laval area where the Indian people, Pakistani people, the Bangladeshi people are living. So, uh, so they're saying we don't, we are, we cannot concentrate our immigration status. We are concent- We cannot concentrate our uh, uh, refugee status. We cannot concentrate our, um, we can say that, um, housing problems. So what should we can do? So in this situation, we try to associate with the CAPE and amicably settle some things. So we are arranging the workshops so that the people can know about their rights, about the housing rights. So, so mostly people are knowing that we regularly we are uh, going um, um, organizing a rally, mm-hmm. uh, also for the Bill Thirty One. So such kind of things we are doing so that the people can gather and make understand. Well, one of the few mechanisms that tenants have, which often is not super supportive of tenant rights, is uh, to access the tribunal for housing. And on top of that, you're working with a community where there's a lot of language barriers. Yeah, a lot of language barriers. So that's why they not directly come to the, uh, go to the courts. They don't know how to uh, approach the government. So like a cape, so it's a mediator. So they, mm-hmm. uh, we ascended sure. our clients to the cape. Mm-hmm. So member to the cape. So cape can help to them. So resolve the problem. But these these little bit things not a solution. So my observation is we sh- all the peoples, not on the Park X, Laval, Montreal levels, so come together in a one umbrella 
and make a one huge campaign to to the government so that we are people getting a low incomes and giving a higher rents it's 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 a it's against our rights yeah so yeah. because international human rights says you have a right to live you have a right Respect. to feed you have a right for land or you have a right to uh, house so we the lack of these things we are uh, we are under depression so and that's one thing you uh, go ahead amy did you, did you? Oh, it's just one thing that you've mentioned a lot, Gaurav, in our conversations and also in public presentations yeah. that you have talked about the effects on mental health of yes, yes, refugee yes. claimants in relation to housing crisis. Yes, it's a, it's not a story particular one one person. It's a particular mostly people's who are because they are there. And one more thing, sir, I I also receive a complaint that we are leave, we are paying a fourteen hundred dollars. And we have a lot of problem in our house. So due to that reason, also they ha they ha they are not uh, feeling well, and their health is go down day by day. So the tenant uh, landlord are not listening about yeah. this. Either there is a cockroach, either there is mosquitoes, either there is no water, good water coming. Mm -hmm. The hydrocubic <laughs> bills are too much high. Mm -hmm. So apart from this, either they pay these these things, or either they pay for the medical bills, or either they pay for what the, where they can go. Yeah. So due to that is then physically, mentally, got it. Going day by day towns. You know that in the park acts, there's a lot of uh, these things happening in the park acts. Mostly people are coming, try to commit a suicide. Yeah. A lot of people. You can heard in the Facebooks and news channels. So. And I think often what I really appreciate about uh, the work that you have all been addressing in this community radio broadcast is when we hear about Bill Thirty One. Often in mainstream media presentations, we hear like a response from a government official or maybe, you know, uh, an opposition politician, but it's very rare to hear community voices. So thank you so much all for being here to talk about this reality. Um, I wanted to talk just a little bit about the federal government and uh, specifically um, you know, there's a point that I think not a lot of people remember, which is under liberals and conservatives, they've been sort of like playing this game around housing, uh, around electoral cycles. But in the mid-1990s, the federal liberals actually cut, um, in the context of the International Monetary Fund's structural adjustment proposals for Canada, they actually cut funding for co-op uh, housing on a federal level. Uh, and, you know, most housing activists have really clearly stated that the proposed housing solutions from Trudeau's liberals are basically nothing uh, in terms of meeting the moment. So maybe, Drew, if you have any reflections about this. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the basic fact is that the, the, the federal liberals... Uh, and the federal conservatives have consistently cut housing uh, costs, like, or sorry, not costs. They've consistently cut housing um, funding, um, and and obviously a big part of what made housing, like what made it possible to have options in the past, uh, you know, in 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 Canada and Canadian cities, was the significant investment in social housing, um, and and the investment in you know, creating an, a, a sort of an abundance of housing. Um, and, and a lot of that's been, and, and co-op housing was obviously a big part of that mix. Um, and so, 
so yeah, the, the kind of consistent cuts over the last really 30 years, um, uh, you know, other than a, a small blip during the um, sort of 2008 crisis, um, you've seen a real, you've seen like consistently um, not meeting the moment. And, and, and what, what's happened is you've created a sort of backlog uh, of housing where, where housing has be, because there's no bottom, to, there's no sort of safety net in the housing market. Um, where the low end of sort of, you know, mm-hmm. low income renters yeah. and so on are able to access housing. Everybody's being sort of driven into either homelessness or crunching into smaller spaces or f- going further and further away uh, from the cities where their jobs are uh, in order to be able to afford to have a place to stay. Uh, and that's obviously reached a total crisis point where there's a lot of anger Um and so, of course, the conservatives are capitalizing on that, but but without without actually doing anything, um, and if anything, the policies they're proposing are going to make the problem worse. Um, and the liberals are sort of doing what what they do. And I think the the fundamental issue um, on the federal scene is that you have two parties: the the conservatives and the liberals, who are funded by the finance sector, who are funded by um, the sort of real estate investment sector, um, and by landlords. And in a lot of cases, they are actually landlords. Like the actual MPs are, are landlords, including Pierre Polyev. Um, and so you end up with a situation where um, everything that that they do to address the housing crisis is within what's acceptable to those sectors. Um, and so um, you end up with a lot of these sort of false solutions where the idea is that you're going to uh, increase supply and somehow lower prices, but at the same time, <laughs> like the the whole premise of your policy is to keep making money for this small number of people and small number of investors. And one of the key sort of mechanisms that just totally hasn't been addressed by anybody. And sorry, I should say the NDP uh, maybe isn't as backed by those sectors, the finance, real estate, and so on, but they they appear to aspire to be. <laughs> and so that's the that's the problem at the federal level is that they're trying to to do these like very meager sort of uh, measures, the the things they're even putting forward that they're not even getting passed because they're, you know, are like, you know, tax cuts on on construction by private developers. Uh, it's not a massive investment in social housing, which is obviously, I think this is sort of elephant in the room, like nobody's saying, oh, we actually just need to have a massive, uh, you know, multi tens of billions or hundreds of billions of dollars investment in social housing the way that we did when housing was actually accessible and affordable. Um, and, and I think that comes down to social movements. Like you have to have um, movements on the ground that are independent of these parties, certainly independent of the sort of prevailing homeowner-based uh, supposed consensus in the media uh, and, and independent of, um, of the housing as a commodity, which is which is the sort of basic premise of, of all the so-called solutions that are happening. Um, and so there's a huge gap there um, and it's being filled emotionally by the conservatives in the sense that they're reflecting the emotions of like what it's like to live in a housing crisis and not be able to access housing, but they're not doing any of the things that could actually result in things being any different. Um, and so, yeah, I think I just wanted to note one other thing, which is that the real estate investment trusts are this mechanism where basically uh, big pools of money um, 
you know, investors can like put in a, put in money into these real estate investment trusts and the investment trusts don't pay some corporate taxes uh, and as a result have a sort of advantage in the market. But they basically are, um, their business model is buy up property, raise the rents, lower the services, lower the like maintenance and make more profits as a result. And so they're leading um, these these sort of like faceless mechanisms are even if they're not owning the majority of the housing, they're they're sort of setting the tone for all the other landlords uh, to do the same thing: raise raise prices and 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 sort of cut maintenance basically, um, so that people live people pay more to live in worse conditions. And I think that this is this is the sort of fundamental issue uh, on the federal level. Um, that we're dealing with, none of this is being addressed. And, and, and I think, yeah, it's really up to social movements uh, to, to, to bring the fight to the federal level and propose really clearly uh, what's missing from the scene. So I just encourage people to, Drew was speaking uh, also about a context that is covered uh, in some of the media projects that Drew works on. One is breachmedia.ca. Many people work on these initiatives. And the other is CUTV Montreal, Community University Television. Um, and they're actually recording this conversation, so you'll be able to see it later at cutvmontreal.org. Um, one thing that often happens, you know, I talk with a lot of people, especially artists, uh, I, I'm a musician, so I, I have a lot of discussions with people and bring up some of the policy points that have been discussed, and people get overwhelmed. And I think one thing that is really always so insightful and amazing to highlight is the community organizing victories and also the ways that tr spaces can be transformed. You know, Amy was talking about the organizing of CAPE uh, here in Park X. And um, Faiz, I've talked to you quite a few times about this idea of trying to, to flip the narrative and to do something different uh, and, and sort of go outside the box when it comes to thinking about how spaces could be. Um, you know, in this space we're sitting in brick by brick, I know that you really focus a lot on community representation. Um, and, you know, a lot of voices that maybe you would not often hear when talking about the housing crisis, immigrant voices, um, a lot of people from Park Extension. So, yeah, in the context of this conversation, can you maybe highlight a bit more about Brick Pabrik and why, you know, the work that you're doing around uh, represent representation and the voices that you, you that you can check out here at this space where we are now are so important? Uh, yes, it's a big question. Uh, it is. Thank you. Yeah. So hopefully what I'm going to say kind of like circles back to, I think, what you wanted to respond uh, with respect to what Drew was saying. And I think uh, maybe it is connected in a way to what Drew was saying, because I feel like the whole issue of commodification and financialization and this idea of like homes being like something that is um, uh, just a, something to make money from. It's true that the people who benefit from it the most are like massive like investment pools and large interest associations of developers and real estate agents and uh, you know all that kind of jazz. But at the end of the day, that attitude or that uh, ideology is a part of us in our communities, and I think it's important mm. to have conversations around. Um, like 
what are we mm. doing for ourselves and what impact is that having mm. on our neighbors on the people mm. that we're supposed to care about that we do care about and then sometimes we maybe don't understand like what is the relationship between the choices we make and the choices mm. our, uh, our, our neighbors have to make so i'll give you uh obviously this has to do with like okay when you own property and you want to sell it or when you uh when you are trying to get out of the situation that you're in and you're focusing your energy on making more money what sacrifices do you make what do you do with the money when you uh, finally are like it's really important for me to own a property um you know i think a lot of people you know that we meet here they're they're coming from a place of like number one priority is securing their status in canada um mm. example like we had a public conversation um it was kind of like meant to bring people together around issues uh, pertaining to like decent schools. And mistakenly, one of the organizers kind of said that it was badly worded invitation, but basically a lot of people who came were under the impression that they were going to get letters of support for their immigration file. It was a misunderstanding. Normally we do it not for participants, but for volunteers. So normally our events will bring together like you know, maybe 20 to 50 people. There were 300 people jammed in here. Um, so I think that it's important, like I think what Laura was saying is you've got to really look at everything, all the issues that people are facing mm. together and how they connect to each other. The fact that people have to work a lot, the fact that their work is precarious makes it so they have less energy to put into housing. The fact that they have less energy to put into housing means that they're more separated from each other. They're less confident in seeking help. They have less support from their communities. They're further away from their places mm -hmm. of worship where they can find support, further away from the community organizations, mm -hmm. and they get into that depression, that, that cycle. So I think mm -hmm. what we're trying to do is like break mm -hmm. the isolation, basically, mm -hmm. because at the very root mm -hmm. of like uh, of social change and organizing for social change, Leaving aside all the different strategies that we have in terms of bringing people together, showing them what their rights are, doing art, uh, doing like a, a political work, or doing business, which is more of our focus here in terms of like the, the, the financial solutions, development, social housing. Regardless of your strategy, at the end of the day, we really, really, we all have the power to help people around us uh, get out of that place of isolation that makes it so that it's hard to mobilize, it's hard to organize, and it's hard to focus and put things into perspective. I don't know if that answers the question. Thanks so much, Faiz, for sharing that. Uh, I wanted to go to Nathan um, about uh, this issue of breaking isolation because, uh, Nathan, you live in a co-op, which is Milton Park. And um, the reason I wanted to bring this up is because there's also like a, a very real uh, crisis when it comes to uh, houseless uh, people in Milton Park. And there's a lot of community organizing that's going on, both within the co-op you're part of, but also beyond. Um, and this, of course, in the Milton Park context is, uh, you know, impacting many communities, but Indigenous people are impacted uh, in this particular area. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but I think a lot of the work happening in Milton Park is not simple. I think there's a big symbolism when it comes to the fact that all this crisis of on-house people is happening at the gates of McGill University, essentially. 
Um, so maybe maybe can you just uh, talk a bit about some of the community work that uh, you're connected to in Milton Park, and you know that that works a- across a, a number of issues. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I thank you. Yeah, I I guess I'd r- really like to highlight the work being done by by. By um, Comma, um, which is a n- new organization in the neighborhood that that yeah that um, that has really c- trying to bring a, a collective and and democratic approach to homelessness um, and and um, yeah and because like a lot of a lot of the um, a lot of the services in the in in homelessness are fairly um top down and like and like all and and so yeah so so the the inspiring thing about the about their about the work is that they're trying to bring like a collective approach based on empowerment also building community between housed and unhoused people um um and and also Using the power of art and 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 culture and like you know a lot of homelessness in Milton Park is 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 um indigenous um and and like in and um through like cultural activities through soapstone through soapstone um soapstone carving through storytelling it's also a way you know to sh- to show that we all let like that like in 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 uh, that that um that we can like we that housed and unhoused people can connect with each other that that like indigenous and non-indigenous people that you know we can through like culture through um yeah that that and it's it's we all have something to contribute you know um and 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 then in parallel also a a kind of there's also been a struggle like in solidarity with the mohawk um mohawk mohawk thank you um around the future of the 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 Royal Victoria Hospital, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, and uh, like around the, uh, the uh, yeah, uh, around the fact that there's potentially unmarked in, 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 uh, yeah, unmarked indigenous um, graves mm-hmm. um, on the site, and that the future of the site should really be decided in, you know, like, like, obviously. In consultation, but also more than consultation, like in active participation of, of the the traditional, the the um, custodians, yeah. you know, of the land that we're all on, and obviously should like serve urgent urgent um, yeah should should serve the urgent needs um um so yeah so i i also just wanted to and like and like 
they've been doing um, really great work in connecting the questions of housing, homelessness, urban, uh, urban development, and like the question of you know who has the power in Montreal and who who makes the decisions. You know. Thanks so much for sharing that, Nathan. Um, and uh, so I just wanted to note a few things. Uh, thank you, everybody, for sharing all these really important reflections on this broadcast. Uh, I would just note that we're streaming live on CKUT 90.3 FM uh, here in Montreal, People Powered Radio. Uh, the F Files has agreed to also donate their. Uh, share their half of this radio hour between 11 and 12 today. Uh, so uh, thank you to the F-Files for being open to um, having a full hour broadcast of Free City Radio. Um, and I just want to also thank all the groups that were involved in bringing this broadcast together. That includes Community University Television, Brick Public, Alternatives Montreal, uh, the Social Justice Center at Concordia, Seas at Concordia, uh, and reverberation d'une crise in enquête sur l'arceau des logements Montréal. So these these are um, many, like some of many groups that are touching and addressing, interacting with this housing crisis. I would also note that in the space, there's two beautiful banners that are up that David Widgington uh, has painted. Um, I don't know if you want to describe uh, the banners. No? Okay, so one says... Um, Banks rob us of their profits. Uh, smash brick a bank, uh, and um, I think I got that right. But they're beautiful banners with glitter and hand painted. Uh, uh, the other says uh, "Tapette en feu uh, contre le fascisme." So, um, does somebody want to try to translate that? Uh, Oh, Cubel, thank you. Yes. Well, it's it's like f flaming fags or like faggots uh, on fire against fascism. Flaming faggots against fascism <laughs> would be the official translation. <laughs> okay, thanks for the official translation. Um, so these are some of the visual culture of protest movements. Um, so I think that, you know, one thing that, that has come up in a lot of these responses, and there's so many great things that were shared, is that despite these sort of like these layers of policy violence and capitalist economic real estate violence, all of you are connected to work that is trying to respond to this crisis, right? And trying to build connections between organizing it's not simple you know and we um you know we realize the extent of the crisis um so it's not to both romanticize the work that you're doing but it's is to try to highlight the fact that all of you are involved in projects that are trying to confront this crisis in various ways not just this week but over a long period of time or in in your uh, respective work. So given we only have, you know, probably time for each person to share a bit more, maybe if you could um, share a bit about um, the importance of seeing this broader long-term struggle for housing justice and how it's connected to your respective work. Because 
at this moment, you know, and I think that's part of the reason why the energy came together for this broadcast, there is a struggle against Bill 31. And that's very important, uh, you know, for people listening. Uh, and Flip actually asked that we announce the weekly protest, which is uh, Bear UCAM on Thursdays at 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Uh, so, yes, uh, sharing that information. Um, but there is that, like, mobilization point. But there's the work that happened before Bill 31 was announced and is generational also. So maybe could you each share a bit about your sort of work on this issue from a more long-term perspective and why, like, sort of um, thinking about, you know, housing justice beyond you know, like a particular set of legislation, but it's connected to all levels of government, but also as connected to our work uh, at a community-based level is important. So I guess we'll just go like this. So. Uh, well, pretty quickly, um, as as an artist collective, what we've been trying to do mostly is to show like the housing, how the housing crisis is about the, the kind of life we want to live in Montreal. Do we like the housing crisis is putting us to work? It's saying like, well, if you want to live in the city, well, you have to like lose your life to work, not spending time with friends, with family, creative projects. This also touches like dignity of the people. So we've been mm -hmm. trying to document that, to share, to to uh, express that to like maybe some parts of the population who are less connected with those realities, but also to offer a space for artists who are directly impacted by the housing crisis to reflect on that and to to share their, their own fragility on those questions. It's a modest contribution. We also as individuals participate to other initiatives, but that's what Reverberation d'une crise is about. That's what we were bringing to the struggle recently. Yeah. So what we do in that, uh, uh, we uh, every month we conduct a workshops among the peoples who need it, and not for the worker uh, worker rights, but also for the tenant rights. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have uh, what we had uh, in past. We because we 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 mostly are artists, so we conduct uh, one play. So in the play medium, in the their language. Hindi Punjabi so we produce a play uh, on stage a play such kind of things which is related to their problems and how they can how they can resolve their solutions so this is a very easy way for us and it is connected with our jobs so people can understand and come together to uh, understand the problem and uh, this, uh, send this message to the other people so that uh, we should get a lot of gathering when we're doing a rally or something also we do uh, theater performance theater performance and, yeah. and one of them was actually here yeah where yeah. we are now in Britain yes Public. yes so soon we are going to uh stage a one uh on the 4th of november a play it's a basically related to housing problem basically related to immigration basically related to domestic violence for the women or something else so we are doing and so that people can understand and because they, they don't know English and French, so that's why we are doing in the Hindi and Punjabi. Hindi and Punjabi. Yes, yes. And that's connected also to your community organizing work in India, yes, where you did yes, grassroots street theater. Yes, 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 yes. So so, so it is an easy way to understand. So we uh, we are also uh, doing a workshops, rallies, uh, so, so people can understand. But this is also the way that people can easily, uh, street plays also. Mm -hmm. We are also doing a street place mm -hmm. so so that the people can know their rights 
because if you are living in the house you have a rights to raise the voice if the your landlord increase your rent so how, how where you have to go how can you make your uh, uh, raise your voice and what is the application what is the thing so so in this way we can do that and you can learn more about the immigrant worker center at iwc-cti.ca yeah um amy um, so maybe just to touch upon some of the, the points that Hubert and, um, and Gaurav mentioned, um, while we definitely think it's important um, to fight Bill 31, um, I'd, I'd also maybe mention that a lot of the problems that tenants were facing go beyond that as well. Mm-hmm. Like in park extension, um, for example, tenants were, all, like it was already difficult to transfer your lease because of gentrification and housing discrimination in the neighborhood. Tenants were already facing abusive rent hikes and evictions um, before this law was tabled. Um, people were already waiting on the ho- on the social housing waiting list for sometimes um, more of yeah. a decade. I think for that, like as Yuba mentioned, it's very much a question of like, who ha- like who gets to live mm-hmm. in the city? Um, is it really just for the rich and the people with the ac- capacity to act to purchase property, or does it include mm-hmm. immigrants, families, people living on low incomes too? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for that reason, I think it's important to keep the struggle going and to fight for broader demands. Um, I would also maybe just to. Um, to come back a little bit to your point around transforming spaces, I think we often tend to think um, of the housing crisis as being this kind of intractable thing that once the forces of gentrification start to fit into a neighborhood that there's really nothing you can do about mm-hmm. it. And I think if anything, like organizing with tenants in Park X has demonstrated that that's not actually the case, um, that it is possible to push back real estate speculators, it is possible uh, to claw back uh, buildings and land and take them off the market. Um, and I think it's important important to keep those struggles going. Thank you. Thanks, Amy, for taking the time to be here. Um, so Committee d'Action de Parc Extension Cape, um, and that's committeedactionparkx.org. So we have a bit of a sad website situation okay. for the moment. Hopefully it will not be that way forever. I encourage you to follow our Facebook page in the meantime. Okay, respect, respect. Okay, so uh, look out for Committee d'Action Park Extension. They're doing amazing uh, An important community-based work. A lot of it in collaboration with the Immigrant Workers Center. Uh, um, Drew, would you like to share some reflections? Yeah, just briefly. Um, I mean, uh, you know, again, we're not housing organizations, but we're uh, the CUTV. Um, you know, is open to any kind of collaborations to try to amplify the voices of any of these uh, on-the-ground movements that are obviously crucial um, and. Uh, yeah, and and we, you know we can help make videos, we can um, facilitate live broadcasts, and so on. So um, you know, get in touch. Uh, CUTVMontreal.org, and um, having that sort of like production capacity is very important uh, in terms of building counter narratives. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for being here, uh, Faiz. Would you like to share a bit about where Brick Publics add and sort of the long term? some of the long-term points that you're working on? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, um, I feel like uh, we're kind of like working uh, synergetically with a lot of the folks that are around this uh, table. Um, yeah, I mean, like art, work, play, um, tenants, rights, uh, who gets to live in the city, who's entitled to community, 
Uh, these are big questions, and I think we're all kind of like working on them as best as we can. But I want to, I guess, like to answer your question, like you said earlier, like, well, you guys are doing great work, but, uh, you know, not to romanticize your work, but you're doing great work. And I don't know, I feel like our work is romantic. I think that uh, the reason why we do what we do, uh, the, sorry, the reason why I do what I do um, and the approach to the work that, you know, I'm doing is really around like, like uh, self-actualization and pleasure and beauty and uh, making the world a better place, you know? So really positivity because these are big, big problems that are like systemic. And uh, I think if you do it because you want to like change things, you you run the risk of getting disappointed. If you do it because you want to do the right thing uh, and enjoy yourself and build community in the process then um you'll you'll probably go further and so that's why i do what i do and that's what we're going to keep doing um brick public community space uh is at brickpublic.com uh, nathan yeah i i wanted to also just explain a bit of the uh big community housing project in milton park because that's what like, always inspired me to show that what what ordinary people can do to take housing off the market and put it democratically in community hands. A a big part of the neighborhood was going to be knocked down and turned into a high rise hotel thing. And then, and then neighbors in Milton park organized against this and were able to save the, were able to save a huge part of the housing and turn it into community um, controlled housing cooperatives and non-profits. So it's 22 organizations uh, with a population of around 1,200 um, who who live in community-controlled housing. The they pay half to a third of of market rent, and you know, and this is something that shows us like we can like. Amy was talking about, we can take housing off the market and put it in community hands. Um, and I guess the other thing I'd like to say is, is, is like, if, if people want to get, get um, active on the housing crisis, get involved with organizations in your neighborhood, get involved in your local um, um Comité de, 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 de logement. Um, get and you're also welcome to get involved in the t- t- tenants union. Um, um, S L A M. Then they're doing great work in go in organizing, in helping neighbors organize and collectively to build power against their 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 their. Um, yeah, and more than welcome to come by the, um, come by our, um, come by our the, um, come by our, our co-working um, space. Come hang out, and we can help. And, and if this, and yeah, if you're looking for work to get in, to get involved in, um, yeah, um, more than welcome to come by.
Thanks so much, uh, Nathan. Um, Milton Park Citizens Committee, ccmp-cpcc.com. Reverberation d'une crise. What's the website, Hubert? So thank you so much, everybody, for being here. This has been a special edition broadcast of Free City Radio. Uh, and thanks again to the F-Files for uh, opening up this full radio hour. Uh, we've been live for an hour now at Brick Pabrik um, and standing up for a place to stay. Movements confront the housing crisis and false solutions, a community radio and TV broadcast. Thanks, Drew, for the title also. Much <laughs> respect. And um, it's been a pleasure to speak with you all. Thank you, Hubert, Gorav, Amy. Drew, Faiz, and Nathan, and to David for bringing the uh, banners, um, beautiful Spencer from CKUT, and everybody else uh, for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Stefan. Thank you. Thank you, Stefan. <laughs> okay. All right, you're off the air. Yeah. <laughs> wow, nice. that was an hour. <laughs> that was great. Okay, that good. Was a nice conversation. Yes. Hey, everybody okay? Yeah. Hubert, Gorav, Amy, Drew, Faiz, and Nathan, and to David for bringing the uh, banners, um, beautiful Spencer from CKUT, and everybody else uh, for being here. Thank you. Thank you.